Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence and Loom help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Hi, we're Visible, the wireless company with nothing to hide. Get unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for $25 a month. Taxes and fees included. Sorry, hidden fees. We're just not into you. Switch today at Visible.com. Rate with service on the Visible plan. For additional terms and network management practices, see Visible.com. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. It's Tuesday, March 14th, 2023, and it is indeed a heck of a morning. We are live on the MMA Fighting Twitter space, so you hear the show in its entirety. Shortly thereafter on the MMA Fighting Podcasting Network, I am Mike Heck. Welcome to another week of the show. It is UFC 286 Fight Week, the trilogy fight for the welterweight title coming up Saturday between Leon Edwards and Kamara Usman. We got the absolute banger between Justin Gaethje and Rafael Fazeev. We got Casey O'Neill coming back against Jennifer Maya. We got Gunnar Nelson versus Brian Barberena. We have Marvin Vittori versus Roman Delize. Look, this card does not have all the star power in the world. This is not UFC 285. I get that. But there are some damn good matchups on this card. There's a lot to like, and it should be a fun watch. And looking forward to heading back to New York Saturday morning for the watch party. And it's going to be a lot of fun. We will have special guests, including I am working on one massive special guest to hop in at some point during the watch party. So stay tuned for that. There'll be a lot of, obviously, UFC 286 talk throughout the week. Today... We'll probably talk about that with you guys. But also, this past weekend, a lot went down in the world of mixed martial arts. Saturday, the UFC was in Las Vegas. They were at the theater at the Virgin Hotels, which I enjoyed that setting and that scene very much. A lot of old school vibes. I dug it. I thought it was great. And in the end, Marab Dawalish really showed up and he beat the hell out of Piotr Jan for 25 minutes. That fight was not close at all. And Marab gets it done. And a lot of talk on the post-fight show about maybe Marab being disrespected. I know Jed had some things to say. I had some things to say, not about, I didn't call him like boring or anything like that, but I just feel, well, a lot of people feel like he's the number one contender and his next fight will be for the belt. That is 100% what should be happening, but it's probably not going to happen because just listen to how Dana talks about him and, you know, just the UFC in general. They just don't seem all that interested in him. And I don't really understand why, because he's a pretty interesting guy. Dude's trying to jump through ice ponds and do all this crazy shit. And he's a damn good fighter. And I've been saying for a long time, there is not a bantamweight on this planet 
that is going to be excited to see Marab Dualishvili on the other side of a contract. His name, like, you're just going to have to be like, oh, damn it, really? I have to fight this dude? That's just how he is, and that's how he's been for a long time. But now he's putting himself in a position to where he is undeniable. But he kind of is deniable in some ways because of just the weirdness of this division. We got Aljamain Sterling getting ready to fight Henry Cejudo. A fight that is happening. I'm intrigued by the matchup. I don't... You've heard me talk about Cejudo for a long time on the show. Not the fight I would make. Aljamain Sterling kind of blew it on that one. He should have went all in on O'Malley. After he beat TJ Dillashaw, it should have been all focus on O'Malley from Jump Street. It was not that way. He left an opening for the UFC to kind of do what they wanted to do, and they have put Henry Cejudo in the spot. And now we're in a weird place because Sean O'Malley is probably going to get the next title shot, whether you feel like he deserves it or not. He's the biggest star in the division, and that includes the champion. And he's the guy. I mean, he's the guy who's going to get the next title fight, whether we like it or not. We also have Cheeto, Cheeto Vera fighting Corey Sanhagen in about 12 days which is a big fight. And I just don't know where Marab's going to end up in this whole situation because Aljo is probably going to, if he beats Cejudo, he's probably going to stick around Bantamweight and fight O'Malley because why would you not get the bag? It's the biggest fight he can get at 135 right now. And it's a very winnable fight for Aljamain Sterling from a stylistic perspective. So I think Marab's going to be waiting for, a, for, a, for quite a while. To get his title shot, I know he said he's he's happy to like sit out and wait and see how this thing plays out, but we know how the UFC reacts to that kind of thing, and this is a division where there are just so many contenders right now. There's so many guys that are right there. So it's going to be really interesting to see where Marab ends up in all of this, but I think he's going to have to fight once, maybe twice more before he gets a title shot, and that is not fair, but that is probably what's going to end up happening. And kind of stinks. But what can you do? We're seeing it in multiple divisions. We saw it. At, we're seeing it a lightweight right now. Benil Dariush has to fight Charles Oliveira, even though he's clearly the guy who should be fighting for the belt. Now he has to fight Charles Oliveira to get that shot. I feel like Marab is kind of in that same position right now where he's just going to have to win one or two more before he's even in that spot. Fair or not, that's just how I see this all playing out. Unless Aljo just says, screw it, I'm going right up to 45. But even then, if Cheeto Vera beats Corey Sanhagen and Aljo wins and moves up to 45, you really think they're going to throw Marab in a title fight when they could do Cheeto versus Sean O'Malley for the vacant title? They're going to do that fight in five seconds. There, there is no hesitation. That will be the vacant title fight if Cheeto wins and Aljo wins and Aljo vacates and moves up to 145. So that's the UFC. Bellator... We have another exciting guy to talk about, Usman Nurmagomedov. Holy cow, this guy. I've been telling you about him for a long time, and now he's coming. I mean, he's not coming, he's here. That dude is here. Just runs over Benson Henderson, lived up to the minus 2,000 price tag that was on him, kicked him in the face, got on his back, submitted him, not an easy feat, and he barely broke a sweat. Incredible stuff. And now the big conversation is, is Usman Nurmagomedov a top five lightweight in the world right now? I'll say this. 
you can make that case and I will listen to you. I'm just not ready to pull that trigger just yet. I'm not there just yet. And the problem for Usman, and it's the same problem that a lot of the Bellator champions have in this conversation, is they're just not going to get the bodies to fight that are going to put you over the edge to jump above some of the top five guys, especially in our rankings. You're just not going to have the level of competition. So right now, beating Benson Henderson, who basically had a foot out the door anyways, and Benson's a tough fight, that's not enough for me to, to pull the trigger and say that's a top five lightweight. I can't say it yet. But if he goes on and fights Alexander Shabley, it beats him. And then if he goes on and fights AJ McKee and beats him, he will be in my top five. That is for sure. But can he get any higher than that? I'm not really sure. But that guy is a freaking problem, man. He is a problem. The Shabley fight was weird, but he won. I actually, after watching the ending and the kick and how Jason Herzog handled that whole situation, I don't have a real problem with it. It's pretty, I think he probably handled it the best that he could. So Shabley's going to move on. We'll see what happens to Tofik Masayev. Maybe he'll stick around as an alternate or something like that. Linton Vassal is – that was an impressive showing against Valentin Moldovsky. Just took him out of there quick. And MVP with one of the nastiest, grossest finishes to a fight that I've seen, just kicking – Poor Goichi Yamauchi in the knee and just wrecking his knee with one kick. That was just nasty stuff. So it's good, good card for Bellator. Good card for the UFC. And now we're on to UFC 286. A lot to like right now in the world of mixed martial arts. So let's turn it over to you guys. I'm done ranting. Let's go. Tristan, you were first. Have at it. How you doing, Mike? Um, in regards of, to Marab, I mean, it was unbelievable with the slander that he was getting. I was seeing from the MMA community, whether it was on Twitter or on YouTube, it was just unbelievable. I think his fight with um, Piotr Young was amazing. It was incredible. The pace, um, the grappling. Yeah, he got – he didn't uh, secure positions on his takedowns, but Piotr Young is a good, has good takedown defense. And most of the time, um, Marab was utilizing his striking, which he's getting better at. So all this mess about, well, Rob is boring. He can't secure a takedown. He can't get finish, finishes and things like that. I'm like, please, you can miss me with all that. He was just incredible. I've never seen anybody um, have that type of pace. Maybe Habib. But like you said, nobody's going to want to fight this guy. And good luck to that division. Maybe the only person that would be able to keep up with that pace is Umar, Umar Nemegamadov, but, you know, we'll have to wait and see, and maybe that's the guy that he's going to have to fight. But it, it looks like Marab doesn't care. Um, you know, he's accepted it. The thing is, you know, what are those conversations that he's having with Aljo? Um, have they already planned this out? And like you said, everything you said is right about Marab and what's going to happen. Um, I think the only key, only positive that Marab has to look towards to is what happened to Leon Edwards, right? Leon Edwards couldn't get a title fight. He was on this crazy win streak. But then um, pretty much UFC had no choice. And um, he fought for the title. And look at him. Look at him now. He's a champ, and he's going to fight to defend his title this weekend against um, Usman. So, you know, that's the only kind of thing that he has to look forward to. We'll see. But I just really think that Marab has accepted it. 
and he's going to just play it out and see what happens. That's all he can do for now. Maybe it won't go towards his favor. Maybe it will, but we'll see. I just enjoyed his performance. I think he's incredible. Um, so my second question, my, my question I have for you, I, I think I, I didn't, I wanted to ask you this question, but I don't think I did. Um, in regards to Hassan Magomed Sharpov, um, he said after the, his uh, Bellator fight, by, I think a week ago or two weeks ago, um, that he has one fight left on his Bellator deal. Um, do you think he does make the jump to the UFC? Will the UFC even want him? I mean, because that featherweight division needs help, and he would pretty much be replacing his brother Zabit into that uh, into that fold. So, do you think he makes the jump to the UFC? Because he did, he does want to go to the UFC. I, I think um, he admitted that, but he said we'll see if he either resigns with Bellator or makes the jump to the UFC. What are your thoughts about that, Mike? Uh, thanks for everything. Thanks, man. Uh, he already resigned with Bellator, so he is not going anywhere. Bellator heard what he had to say, and they locked him up like two days later. So I think it was like the Tuesday or Wednesday after that fight, they the Bellator PR announced that they they locked him up to a to an extension. So yeah, he ain't going anywhere. Uh, I think Bellator is probably the best place for him right now. He look, he's really good. But you can't – he can develop in Bellator. He's only going to get better. And if you just chuck him in there in the UFC right now, especially in the UFC's featherweight division with how deep and how talented it is, he's just not going to be able to develop the way you would want him to. And I think Bellator is the best place for him. They can just pull fighters from anywhere to fight him. It's not that simple in the UFC. So, yep, they were smart. Bellator re-signed him. He ain't going anywhere. There you go. And then, again – with Marab, how like he's not a big finisher. I get that, but this this was not the Jose Aldo performance. This is far from it. This was this is incredible stuff. He beat Jan everywhere. Beat Jan everywhere. The only moments like Jan had in this fight was he was landing some good shots to the body, but as soon as he would land one, Marab would answer with like twenty. Dude is just a savage. That pace is incredible. I just don't know, like, he's just in such a weird place. It's, it's just strange. Like, it's not even like the Leon place. The Leon place is just like, oh, do we have to give this guy a title fight? Like, that's how the UFC approach it. That's why they kept throwing Usman back in there with Mazadal again. They threw him back in there with Colby again. They were doing, like, everything to avoid it. And 170, like, didn't have a lot of guys that were on the come-up. Like, Hamzat was on the way up, but he didn't really have that big win to give him a title fight. So they were just recycling opponents for Usman. And then they just did like you said, they just didn't really have a choice. Right now, Bantamweight is just so loaded right now. You can make a case for, like, three or four guys to get a title shot right now, and all of them make sense. All of them make sense. It's just a weird spot, especially with the champion being a buddy that he's not going to fight. I got to tell you, like, I respect both of those guys for not wanting to fight each other. But there is a part of me, maybe it's a little bit evil. I want to see those two guys fight. I'm super, super fascinated on how that one would go. It's never going to happen, I know, but I would love to see it. That's an interesting fight. Uh, let's see if we can get Mikey. The luck has not been great lately. Mikey's... Connection has just not been great. 
So let's see if we can get him in now. And so far, not looking good. That wheel is spinning. All right, try again, Mikey. Uh, let's go to Brian. Brian, hello. Hey, Brian. Mike, sorry about that. Hey, there we go. What's up, man? How you doing? Uh, I just wanted to touch on Jonathan Martinez. Um, I, that was one of my favorite performances I've seen, and his emotion after the win was, like, amazing because this is a guy he had some weight-cutting issues a couple of years ago. I remember against the Frankie Sainz fight. Um, just kind of had, like, a rough patch against Davey Grant, too, and seeing a kid like that working really hard is really nice. So you just kind of wanted your opinion on him and how far do you really see him going? I, I love his skills, and I think his camp is really something that can maximize his ability. I really think he's... Chris Gutierrez, almost 2.0, just a lefty and longer. So just wanted your opinions on that. I, I was super excited about him this weekend. Thanks, Mike. Yeah, he's good. I, I picked him. I picked him to win that fight. Uh, I thought he was a super live dog. I thought those odds were a little too wide. Dude's good. And he should really contact me about changing his nickname to the silence behind the violence. That's that's the nickname. It's not the dragon. No, 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 no. It is the silence behind the violence. TSB TV. That's that's the nickname for Jonathan Martinez. He's just such an awkward guy. Like when it comes to public speaking and stuff, he's coming into his own a little more, but he's just so quiet. And I know this sport, especially when it comes to the UFC, the closed mouths don't get fed. But I don't want to see Jonathan Martinez become like a big trash talker or anything like that. I like, I like the silence behind the violence. I like him letting his, his fighting do the talking. I liked his callouts, and I like the way he did it. Eh, it's probably not going to happen, but Dominic Cruz or Davis Figueredo. Cool. I like those callouts. I don't think he gets either of those fights, but I still dig it. What I would do if I was him, I would get right on the Umar train and start calling that man out because – he probably won't win that fight, but he if he just calls out Umar for a fight, the um, res immense respect he will get just for calling him out would be incredible. And if he lost that fight, it's not the end of the world. I don't think Jonathan Martinez is going to be a guy that's going to fight for the belt or anything like that, uh, but he is a serviceable guy. He's a good hand at 135. It just shows you how deep that division is right now. He's a good test for for a lot of these guys. I just don't know if he's going to be like a top five type of 35er, uh, but he could be a top 15 guy for a while. Go be the Nurmagomedov slayer, man. That'd be pretty sweet. Goes in there and fights Umar. What if he beats him? What if he beats him? That's massive. Then he's like, then he could kind of strap the rockets to him a little bit, but I just don't think he gets the cruise fight. I don't think he gets the figgy fight. But I like the calls. I don't think there was were like unrealistic. I just don't say either happening. But if he went on, if he goes out and just starts calling Umar out. Oh man, I would watch the hell out of that fight. He looked great. Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Loom help power global collaboration for all teams, so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great. But together, we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world, including 75% of the Fortune 500, trust Atlassian Software 
for everything from space exploration and green energy to delivering pizzas and podcasts. Whether you're a team of two, 200 or 2 million, or whether your team is around the corner or on another continent altogether, Atlassian Software is built to help keep you all on the same page from start to finish. That way, every one of your teams, from engineering and IT to marketing, HR and legal, can stay connected and move together as one towards shared company-wide goals. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Hi, we're Visible. We're the wireless company with nothing to hide. Seriously. Hidden fees? We don't have them. Annual contracts? Not our thing. Great wireless on just one line? Now that's more like it. Get unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month. Taxes and fees included. That's right. $25 a month? Every month. Sorry, hidden fees. We're just not that into you. Sometimes the choice is just Visible. Switch today at Visible.com. Rate with service on the Visible plan. For additional terms and network management practices, see Visible.com. Four Quarter Sports, hello. Well, if Martinez does ever beat Umar, I mean, he could really just pick a shot at that point. But um, I wanted to talk about uh, a couple of fights, and I will have a hot take out at the end. So I was kind of pissed off that I ended up parlaying, what's it called, Span, Volkov, and Marav. And, man, I really thought Span was going to win. But Volkov, what's it called, I, I noticed that, like, he saw something very early in the fight, which he's very conservative, I guess, in like the way that he takes his approach in, in the in the octagon. And I don't know what it is with um with Romanov, but maybe that loss really did affect him against um Marcin Tybura. But one, he looked like what Jose Young said, like a a giant bag of soup. I, when I saw him, I was like, whoa! It's like. This man lost a lot of weight in his previous fight to fight Tybura and him changing camps. I mean, him going heavier, I don't think was the best approach either. I think that he definitely needs to work with a striking coach. I think that him just trying to grapple people and take them down isn't going to be the, the way you try to get your way into the top five in the heavyweight division. Uh, Mike, if you have any recommendations, like what would you try to like, if you try to consult Romanov, like what would he need to address? Um, I didn't realize when the broadcast was bringing it up, I didn't know that, um, Marab fought Rafian Stotts. I wanted to know on, from your perspective, how would you think Rafian Stotts would do, um, in the UFC's Bantamweight division if he was like inside the top five, you think he'd be able to hang with, with the majority of them? And lastly, I know we have Usman versus Edwards, well, Edwards versus Usman, um, this week. I have a strong feeling that head kick took a lot from um, Usman. Usman, what is he, 36, 37, or about to be 37? I think that Usman is at the at the very point, like, you know, he was probably very distracted. I don't think he has much fights left in him. And I believe the fact that Usman, I mean, Edwards not only did take down Usman down for the first time, and he was also the first person to knock him out. I won't be surprised he takes him down again in this fight and chokes him out. I mean, that's just what I'm thinking that's going to end up happening. Is it more than likely going to happen? I have no idea. But I just think that Leon is pretty live, just like he was pretty live in that previous fight. 
And I wouldn't be surprised if Leon walks out of the Otsu, you know, with his belt. All right. Thanks, Mike. So the Romanov thing, I don't know. It's kind of hard to say. I, I would probably go back to the weight you were when you fought Marching Tybora and just keep working on that cardio and get your confidence up and just try to learn how to pace yourself a little bit. Maybe consult with Justin Gaethje. Just, Justin was able to take his chaos and somewhat control it, but still be very effective with it. So, I mean, it's not the same because Romanov's more of a grappler, but something to that effect. I don't know. It's, it's, it's tough to kind of figure him out. I wonder if there was an injury, if there was something that was hampering him that maybe he probably shouldn't even have fought, but he just needed to. I don't know. I really have no idea. We haven't heard really much from him, but uh, less is more when it comes to the weight for, for Romanov. There's, there's no doubt about that. How would Stotts do in the UFC's 135 division? He'd hang. He would hang. I honestly, like, I don't think... Stotts and Patchy Mix is, like, a great fight, but I think Patchy's going to... I think Patchy's going to run him over. Like, I, I think Patchy is, is on one right now, and Stotts has been great. Stotts is a very good fighter. Been high on him for a long time. But Mix just looks like he's, he's on another level right now. That last performance against uh, Magomed Magomedov, like he sold me. I was never really sold on him. That performance sold me. So I actually would, I think right now, and maybe when they fight April 22nd, Stotts will go in there and just beat him. Who the hell knows? But as of right now, I would actually be more interested to see how Patchy Mix would do in that division over Rafian Stotts. I think Patchy's going to have a massive year. I, I really think he's... I really think he's about to do – going to have himself a special year. I think we're going to be talking a lot more about him this year. But I think both those guys could hang. I don't know if – I think Mix could probably win the belt. Not sure if Stotts can win the belt. But he'd be in the he'd be in play and he could compete with all those guys for sure. And then we'll see what the Usman th- – like, I'm picking Usman right now. But, again, it, anything could happen in that fight. We had a – we had a little roundtable on NBA Fighting today. Uh, who has more pressure to win? Is it Usman or Gaethje? Gaethje's obviously fighting Rafael Baziv. And three out of our four panelists picked Justin Gaethje as the guy with the most pressure. And I believe Damon was the only one who picked Usman. I think Usman is the clear answer here. Usman's the clear answer. Because Gaethje, like... I don't think either has a lot left in the tank. I think Gaethje probably has like three or four more fights left in him, if that. Usman, maybe less. But if, like, Gaethje loses to Fazeev, it's going to sting. Like, he's not going to fight for the belt anymore. I wouldn't say he's, like, gone altogether, but the chances of him getting back to a title shot in that division are going to be very tough. But it doesn't matter. Gaethje is just a fun dude and... People just want to see him fight. They a lot of people don't feel the same way about Usman. If you put if you put out like graphics of like Gaethje's fighting so and so and Usman's fighting so and so, the Gaethje one is going to get a lot more play and a lot more excitement behind it. So there are fights for Gaethje, some big fights, definitely can headline fight night cards, co-main event on big fight cards, big pay per views, no problem. I don't think Usman's the same way. 
I don't think Usman's the same way. There's just, what else can he do? What else can he do? If he loses, what's he going to do? Go to 185? I mean, he could, but then he's going to have to win a bunch of fights. It's not like he's going to walk right into a title fight at 185. And if he stays at 170 and keeps fighting, he's going to have to fight freaking Shafkat Rachmanov. And that ain't fun. So I think the answer is clearly Kamara Usman has more pressure on him to win. And I think he can win. But we'll see how, how much the knockout affects him. And we'll see how Leon performs at home in, in his first title defense. It's one thing to win the belt. We talk about it all the time. It's another thing altogether to continuously defend that bad boy. And Leon's going to find out what that's like on Saturday. Four-ounce sniper, Hello. All right, try again. Don't hear you. Let's go to Edward. Edward, hello. Hey, what's up, Mike? Hope you're doing good. I just have a question for 286. I see a lot of people like, uh, while I watch Guru and stuff, they talk about the glove grabbing in round one, like to prevent the rear naked choke from Leon and like the fake nut shots against Colby and, you know, the one in round five that, you know, separated them. And, um, I see him say, like, uh, Leon won on his best night and, like, Usman couldn't win on, against, like, all odds, like, with elevation and all that. And I was just wondering, who do you favor? And did the elevation play a factor? Mm, I'm sure it played a factor for both guys, but I don't think it played that much of a factor. I think Usman just took his – I think Usman was just cruising. He was cruising and – he got kicked in the face. I mean, he got kicked in the face. He took his foot off the gas for one second, and he got kicked in the face and knocked unconscious. So it's not a fluke. It's just a well-timed kick. It happened at, at a perfect point, and Leon beat him fair and square. That's it. Uh, it was a great first round for Leon. Look, Usman, we talk about it all the time. Cheat. Go ahead and cheat. No one's going to call it. No one's going to call it. I mean, Davy Grant got a point taken away for a fence grab, but when was the last time you saw a point taken away for a fence grab? Glove grabs, all that shit. They don't call anything. They don't call anything. The referees have come out in public and said, we don't want to determine the outcome of a fight by making a call. I mean, it gets to a point where it becomes too egregious, but they ain't calling anything, so just do what you got to do to win a fight. <laughs> I mean, it's so strange. But that's... Any other sport, all those things are penalized. There's repercussions for all this shit. Not in MMA, because the referees don't want to be responsible for changing the outcome. Oh, one point in a fight can change everything. Well, well, what's, what's, what's the answer then? What's the answer? It's an intriguing fight. I, I mean, honestly, I have no idea what's going to happen. Like I said, I'm picking Usman. I'm not all that confident in it. But, yeah, it's it's an interesting one. Uh, let's go to JD. Yes, sir. How are you doing on this beautiful southern morning? Uh, doing good. It was a little chilly this morning, but I ain't complaining. It is a little chilly. Yeah, it is a little chilly, but the sky is pretty pretty. 
All right. So pretty sure his name is Edward. He already kind of touched on what I was going to uh, ask about. I personally think that the elevation could have played a factor into the Leon Usman fight. Um, I personally think that Leon is going to be able to come out and look a little bit more like he did in round one um, in uh, this weekend. So uh, I'd like to talk about uh, Rafael Faziev against Justin Gaethje. Uh, Faziev, I, I think he's going to take it. I know Gaethje hits like a Mack truck and he's got a great chin, but Faziev, Dude, he looks like a Mack truck that has been distilled into a 155-pound body. It just looks insane. Um, so I would like to see where do you, if, if he wins in a stunning fashion, where do you think he goes? Do you think it could be the winner of Chandler McGregor? Do you think where – do, where do you think he could go? Uh, thanks, bud. Appreciate everything. Bye. It's – it's a tough one. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of up in the air because we don't know what Islam's going to do yet. Oliver is fighting Benil Dariush. Maybe the loser of that fight. The best case scenario for him is that if he goes out there and just melts Justin Gaethje that gets Dustin Poirier excited and he could fight Dustin Poirier. But I also believe that Dustin Poirier is still in play for a title shot, which may not make a lot of sense from a meritocratic perspective, but he's in play. I'm telling you, he's definitely in play for a title fight. Yeah, I don't know. He's in a weird spot too. It'd be Poirier, maybe the loser of Oliveira versus Dariush, I don't think he's going to fight like Gamrod or anybody like that. And Chandler, I don't think it'll be Chandler Connor because we don't know when that fight's going to happen. Might not be till like the end of like November, December when that fight actually happens. And I don't think Fizzy wants to sit on the sidelines for that long. But man, this fight's great. This fight is great. Fizzy was a huge favorite. I didn't think he'd be that big of a favorite. It'll be interesting to see how Fazeev approaches this. If this is going to be just a stand-up fight, if Fazeev tries to take him down a bunch. I can't wait to see it. But I would say probably the loser of Oliveira, Darius, or best case scenario, he gets Dustin Poirier. But it's just so that these divisions are all a mess right now. They're all a mess. But he's in a great place if he wins this fight, that's for sure. Who knows? Maybe they give him the title shot. I don't think they will, but they could. King, hello. Good. How are you? Um, comes back from a head kick KO like that. Do you think the championship mindset plays a factor in this one? Like after getting knocked out unconscious like that in the fifth round, let's be honest here, it was a Hail Mary. Do you think Usman bounces back? And even if he doesn't, where does Usman go from there? And the same question for Justin Gaethje. Because I truly feel that he's one of the most exciting fighters in the UFC to never win a bet. And this truly is his last chance. If he loses this, he truly 
him and dustin together they never gonna they are never gonna win a ufc lightweight belt so what are your thoughts on that yeah it's tough to pick both of those fights let me pull up the odds let's see i'm picking like i said i'm picking usman to win a decision that at the end i don't think people are going to be all that compelled with it's just going to be like a Usman decision but I could be wrong I think I think Edwards winning is probably the best case scenario for the division and for the company right now because of they want to keep going back to London they want to keep going back to the UK Usman is was getting over but he wasn't really a megastar by any stretch of the imagination Edwards has the moments if he beats Usman again that's a that's a step forward to becoming a star. So, and plus it creates a lot of fresh matchups. If Usman wins, he's going to fight like Bilal Muhammad or something. Because uh, he's not going to fight Hamzat. I mean, I would love to see that fight, but... And I don't think they're going to run this back again. So Usman probably Bilal? I don't know. And if he loses, I don't know what the hell to do. If he sticks around, he's fighting Shafkar Rachmanov. That's, that's what, what is about to happen. But if Leon wins, holy moly, it's, this could go a number of different ways. Because we got Mazadal fighting Gilbert Burns April 8th. And I'm telling you right now, folks, if Mazadal wins that fight and Leon wins on Saturday, the UFC is going to make that fight. They're going to make it. We're going to get Mazadal fighting for the title again. It's going to happen. But I'm picking Usman by decision. Not happy about it. Not confident in it. I think he's probably learned from his mistakes. But I think stylistically, Edwards has a good chance to do it again. Plus, he gets the home crowd behind him. He doesn't have to travel all the miles this time. He wasn't the one who got kicked in the face and knocked out. There's a lot of questions for Usman. But I think if Usman shows up, and he, he should win. But again, I'm not all that confident in it. And then Fazeev Gaethje, I have to, I have to figure that out a little bit more. But from like a betting perspective, you're giving me Justin Gaethje at plus 175 against almost anybody. Probably going to take a look at that number. But I would probably lean Fazeev right now. But again, not, not all that confident in that fight either. That's, that's just a sick fight. That fight should be lying closer to me, but who am I? Yo, what's up, Double A? Good. What do you got? I want to talk about Marvin Pretoria because I think, I think if he wins and he loses, I think he's kind of stuck in in both senses. Because if he loses, well, he just lost to the number nine ranked guy, and um, that's sort of going to hurt his relevance in the division a bit. But if he wins. He's nowhere near near a title shot, and he's lost he's lost to Izzy twice already. He just got his face destroyed by Robert Whitaker. What the heck do you do with Marvin Vittori? Okay, that's all I've got. Everyone have a great day. Cheers. I mean, he's ranked number four in the UFC rankings, so I don't I don't think he's like that far removed. But if he wins, 
probably fights like Drake is two plus C or something. Or Brandon Allen, one of those two guys. I mean, there's Cannon Air there, but I think Cannon Air would. So Cannon Air is going to fight either Brandon Allen or DDP, in my opinion. And then Vittori will probably fight the other if he wins. And if he loses, I don't know. I kind of want to see Vittori go up to 205. I said that after the Whitaker fight. I want to see him go up to 205. I think he beats a lot of those guys. I think I think he competes and, and is probably beats a lot of those guys at 205. So maybe that's the move if he loses. Just if you lose to Roman, like what? What are you gonna fight? Chris Curtis, Imovov? Like th- those are the fights he has to get. Maybe he has to. Maybe he's the tester for Hamzat at 185. On this this new journey he's taking at middleweight, I don't know. But I think I mean I I still think Vittoria has some likes to him. He's in a weird spot. He's probably gonna have to win another one another couple of fights. But if Pereira beats Izzy, he'll probably have to fight Whitaker. And if he beats Whitaker, then if Vittori beats Delize and gets one more win, he's right there. He's not out of it. Middleweight's middleweight's a little more interesting now because we have guys on good runs like Delize, like Allen, like DDP. But other than that, it's not a great division. So yeah, there's 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 a path back. He needs Pereira to keep winning, but there's a path back, I think. But he should be. I have. I, I think he's going to beat Roman Delize. I don't think it's going to be a fight of the night by any stretch, but I think he's just going to do what he typically does to most guys. And I think he'll win a decision. Yeah. Yeah. Hello. What's up, big Mike. How you doing, man? Good. How are you? Good. Uh, so one thing about this fight for this weekend, I think the one thing that's getting overlooked for Kamaro is his mental determination and his fortitude. Um, last time he got finished, um, you know, we saw how dominant he was and he put the whole 170 on notice. So I think that's going to play a huge factor. Um, I mean, I'm given his age, I know, you know, there's a lot of questions, but you know, I feel like he's in a, his mental determination is going to pull through this whole uh, this fight. Um, now, if he wins, what do you think happens? Do you think he takes one more fight and he retires, or you know, is he just kind of just going to keep going until he you know eventually just retires? Thanks, Mike. Yeah, I mean, if he if he retired either way, it wouldn't shock me. Because I just don't know what else is there for him. I mean, he might just want to give Bilal a title shot. Because I really think that's the only way Bilal gets the next the next shot. Is if Usman calls for it. And they are both managed by the same guy. And maybe Usman is aware of that. He's like, you know what, let's just give my boy Bilal his chance. Him moving up and fighting in a different weight class and trying to become a two-division champion, I think that's probably off the table now. But I don't think there's a lot left. There's just not a lot of things left for him to do at this point. Yeah, and and the mental fortitude is there. But this is – he got knocked out in his – he didn't get knocked out. He got submitted in his second fight by Jose Caceres. And then he went on and won every fight since then. And obviously he bounced back from that finished loss and won a bunch of fights. But this was not – 
after being a long reigning champion. This is not after being less than a minute away from defending the title again. This was him being on the wrong end of maybe the greatest highlight in the history of the promotion. Him getting brutally KO'd for the first time in his career. Losing the belt, trying to get it back. There's a lot of questions. And he does have great mental fortitude. And he does carry himself like a, like a champion and has a great mindset. But he's never been knocked out like that before. So I do have, I, I definitely still have questions. I do think skill for skill, Leon presents a lot of problems for him. We said that heading into that fight, but the fight was going exactly the way I thought it was going to go until he got kicked in the face. But I'm in, I mean, I'm intrigued by it. I'm intrigued. I don't think the fight's going to be all that compelling either way. I mean, if, if Leon wins, it's, he's going he's gonna to just run over Kamaru. I don't think Leon's just going to like outlast him and win a decision. He's going to finish Kamaru Usman if he wins. But if Usman wins, it's going to be a typical Usman-like performance. At least the way I see it on paper, but... We'll find out on Saturday. Early start time, too, which I'm very excited about. Uh, Gustavo, hello. Hey, good morning, Mike. How are you? Good, how are you? Doing great. Um, I was going to ask you, what do you think about this? I saw that Dana said that uh, Connor and Chandler was not official for after they're done with the Ultimate Fighter. You think there's any chance that if Leon wins, they just kind of slide Connor into the 170 title shot? I mean, after all, he is the cash cow of the UFC, and um, I think that would probably, probably be a good promotion for them, um, personally. That's all I got to say. Wait, he's, when did he say that? I just saw reports uh, yesterday. I mean, they could have been fake, but I, I'm pretty sure that's what I saw, that it wasn't like official that they were going to fight after they're done with the Ultimate Fighter. Oh, um, yeah. I could I, be I, misinformed, too. I, I could also be misinformed. You know, you know how Twitter is. Yeah, I, I don't think that's true. Um, I'd be shocked if that's the case. I mean, the way they presented this whole thing was these two are going to coach and then they're going to fight. Like, it's not even about the coaching. It's about the fight. So, yeah, I think those two guys will fight. I don't think, I don't think Connor's sneaking in there. You're already, I mean, we're already in a weird place that if Mazadal beats Burns and Edwards wins, they're going to give Mazadal a title shot after losing his last three fights. So, yeah, I don't think that happens. And I think they, he will end up fighting Chandler because, I mean, why would Chandler, why would Chandler sign on to do this if he wasn't going to fight Connor? So I'd be pissed if I were Michael Chandler, if that were the case. I mean, go through that whole thing, be away from your family for all that time, and then you miss out on the big bag to fight Connor. Yeah, that fight's, that fight's going to happen. That fight's going to happen for multiple reasons. Because then you don't even have to – like you can headline a pay-per-view without having to waste a title fight to do it, which is the dream. Then we can load up other cards with multiple title fights. So, yeah, I don't, I don't see either of those things happening. Now, if Connor goes out there and beats Chandler and calls out whoever the champion is, that's a different story. But – to skip Chandler and give him a welterweight title fight after all that time away, I just don't see that happening. Even even though it's Connor and anything's possible, 
I just don't think that is right now. That I mean, th- people would be in an uproar if that happened. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Four on Sniper, yes, I can. There we go. Sorry about earlier. Um, okay. Just real quick, I wanted to speak on the Davy Grant performance. So I didn't see the fight as a whole, but I did see round three, and it looked to be, at worst, it was going to be a 9-9 round after he got the point deducted. Um, after that, Davy just went for the kill, and he actually ended up getting the kill. Uh, I just wanted to ask you, why don't you – why don't we see fighters whenever they are down in the whole fight or down a certain round? Why don't they go for the kill like that? Because, you know, it turned out well for Davey, but other guys, you see them roll over and just take the loss. Um, I mean, maybe he thought, maybe he thought he was winning. Maybe he thought he was winning and didn't want to take uh, a, a big risk. Asunza was had an answer for a lot of the stuff he was doing. And I think, I think two of the judges gave Asunsa the first two rounds, and I think one judge had it 1-1 heading into the third. So maybe his team was telling him, like, hey, you're doing the right things. You're At worst, you're down. At worst, it's 1-1. So just keep kind of doing what you're doing. And I don't know. I, I, I don't know what was going on in his mind, but maybe he thought he was he was winning the fight. I don't know. But when you get to that point where, I mean, that point being taken away puts you in a position where it's like, all right, you're definitely losing now. Like, you can't win unless you finish. Opened up his eyes a little bit. But that whole sequence is just really weird. Taking the point and then the position and not giving a sense out of the spot, the position back. All of that was just all really weird. I really just wish that Keith Peterson just took the point while the action was still happening then all of this would be avoided, perhaps. I don't know. But we did get probably a submission of the year candidate out of it with that, with that triangle. That was friggin' insane. What a wild ending to that fight. Got a feel for Rafael Sunso. In some ways, went on to retire. And I had heard heading in that there was a chance that was his final fight either way. So I wasn't really surprised when he put the gloves in the center, but... Yeah, that was just a weird one. That was a weird one. Davey usually is a guy that that gets after and goes for the finish most times. So maybe he had flashbacks from the Yanez fight because he took some damage in that fight, as did Yanez. So, yeah, I'd love to see what was going on in that man's brain. But that was a crazy-ass finish. Barbarossa, hello. Barbarusa, you're muted. Barbarusa, 
right. Let's go to Emilio. What's good, Mike? How you doing? I'm doing. <laughs> could be better. Got a whole moving situation going on, and living in living among boxes is not that fun. But anyways, that's why I'm here to cheer myself up. Um, yeah. Anyways, so I wanted to talk about the UFC Las Vegas card. I thought it was a decent card, but. I I just don't know what I'm going to do after Marab just in his last two fights single-handedly has killed my entire vibe. First, he beats, beats quotation marks, Jose Aldo, retires him, essentially. And then he goes on and beats Piotr Jan, my favorite fighter. And... And he's just like, no, Aljo, I love you. You're the best. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna be your bodyguard, and I'm gonna keep beating contenders, but I'm not gonna fight you. It's like, oh. <sighs> I don't know, man. I, I'm obviously it's an it's an impressive performance in the sense that he's got good cardio, but this is not the cardio like ultimate cardio championship. This is fighting. I don't know if there needs to be some sort of revamp uh, con- uh revamp concerning the scoring system or 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 what i don't get me wrong i'm not gonna argue that Piotr won that fight he didn't for sure um you can just see it on his face uh, <laughs> the guy was growing a second head uh credit to marab on that but oh that was so frustrating to see that was just i can't man it's it was one of the most frustrating performances that I've ever seen. And honestly, I don't think I would have a huge problem uh, with it. Uh, it. It is impressive. It's just at the end, he goes on and it's like, no, Aljo, I love you, man. I, you're, uh, it, it, I'm never going to fight you. <laughs> I'm, I'm just thankful that Dana at least called him out on that. It's like, hey, dude, probably not the smartest thing to do. Um. Anyways, I just wanted to get your thoughts on that whole dynamic. Not necessarily the performance in itself, because it's like, yeah, great cardio, arguably the best cardio in the history of the UFC. And that's saying something, but man, was that... It, it just wasn't a good fight. It wasn't a good fight. It was a great performance, not a good fight, in my opinion. So I just wanted to get your thoughts on the whole, like, Aljo, uh, Marab dynamic. Yeah, that's it. Thanks again, Mike. Have a heck of a morning. Thanks, man. I I don't necessarily agree with you. I mean, he beat the shit out of Piotr Jan. This was this was not the Aldo fight. The Aldo fight, I had a big problem with. Uh, I don't think he. I think he actually lost momentum on the Aldo fight. But how can you not? He's got tons of it now. I mean. That was like one of my biggest concerns with this fight. I was like, well, he's going to just try to beat him up against the fence for 25 minutes. But he beat the shit out of Piotr Jan. Like everywhere. Yeah, the cardio was great. The pace is unbelievable. Yeah, he attempted 50 takedown attempts. Yeah, he only got 11 or 12 of them. But he beat up Piotr Jan on the feet too. Jan would land, but Rob would counter with like eight more. It was just crazy. The pace he put on. He beat his ass. He beat Piotr Jan's ass. You can't take anything away from that. 
And now if you're a Jan fan and you're like, damn it, like I wanted to see Jan do better. Yeah. I, I bet it's frustrating, but to say that, like that was a bad, like I didn't, I know you didn't say it was a bad performance, but I think we expected a, a much more competitive fight. So I get it from that aspect, but to, this was not the Aldo fight. And you saw it from, from jump street. I tweeted out after the first round, that first round, what he did in that first round of Piotr Jan was more impressive than any single second of the Jose Aldo fight. Any second of it. The Aldo fight did him no favors. You get an opportunity like that, you got to go in there and make a statement. He did not. He did not. That was an awful fight. And it's not really his fault. The matchmaking sucked in that whole situation. Marab, Jose Aldo did not deserve that uh, to fight Marab the Wallace really. And he certainly didn't deserve to fight Marab the Wallace really in Salt Lake City at altitude. No, that was piss poor matchmaking. And I usually am pretty, I usually keep praise among upon the matchmakers. I think for the most part, they do an excellent job. This was one of the all time biggest botches in the history of the sport. This was bad. Jose, especially in hindsight, after watching the TJ Dillashaw title fight, Jose Aldo should have gotten that title fight. Marab could have fought TJ. Boom. Would have been all set. Good to go. Even if Marab exposed the shoulder injury, like that's fine. And we're in a much better position than we're in right now. But Jose Aldo had to retire after just a lackluster stink fest in that fight. It was just a bad fight. It was not good. It was not good. But Marab needed to make up for it. And I, th- I thought he did in a big way. He beat Piotr Jan's ass. Pillar to post, almost every second of the fight. Lots of praise for Rob. Lots of praise for that performance. And I understand, like, some people are like, well, Marab's not a big finisher. He doesn't try to finish. Yeah, there's probably some truth to that. But this was, this was not a boring performance. This is not a Marab just took Piotr down and laid on him for 25 minutes performance. This is Marab beating that ass. And I didn't see that coming. I picked Jan to win. I thought it would be a, a, a very close fight. I thought Jan would do enough. I knew the takedown defense would hold up, but I didn't think Marab would just out-hustle him on the feet like that. So that was, that was surprising. And plus, Marab is very hittable. I mean, he is very hittable, which is why I picked Jose Aldo to beat him. Because as good as Marab's pace is, and as, improve, as much improved as his striking has been, he is very hittable. Very hittable. And Jan just couldn't get to him. And that was impressive, too. Jan was successful to the body. When he went to the body, he was landing. And he was landing some, some rib roasters. But just he was getting answered by multiple shots. So, God, that was impressive. What could he say? Incredibly impressive stuff. And the Aljo thing, this isn't new. This isn't new. They've been saying this for years. They're not going to fight each other. That's fine. Aljo's got one, maybe two more fights at 35, and then he's bouncing up anyways. He's going to fight Cejudo. If he beats Cejudo, he'll go get the bag against O'Malley, and then he'll move up, and then Marab can get his shot. Or maybe Aljo will move up after the Cejudo fight. Who knows? Terrence, hello. What's up, Mike? Yo. Um, just to continue on what you were just talking about in regards to um, the whole cardio situation, I've never seen or heard anybody like complain about people's cardio 
and it being weaponized against other um, fighters. Like you have Kobe, you have Khabib, you have Max Holloway. You have a ton of people that outlast people. Like Peon does it as well. Like a lot of times people say, like, oh, he's just collecting data, whatever. A lot you can also say that he's just waiting for people to tire themselves out. One thing that the Dakistani wrestlers say is that I'm gonna keep wrestling, taking them down, keep taking them down, keep taking them down until they get tired, and then I'm gonna tap them out. Nobody has a problem with it until now. And I think a lot of it has to do with the last fight that Marab was in and people being bitter about that. Like, oh, you just can't just keep spamming takedowns. And like you said, he's doing more than that. Like, same thing with Kobe. Like, as much as I dislike him, he weaponizes his cardio. And he more or less just goes in, just keep repeatedly putting something in your face, take me down. Put something in your face, take me down. And it's not like Peon is a scrub when it comes to takedown defense. So it's going to take all those takedowns to, like, make it effective. And had Marab gas himself out, Peon would took advantage of it. So I don't see where the disconnect is in regards to that. I think it's just people being hypocrites. And I don't know what to say. But that kind of goes along with what um, Jeb was saying when I was like, this is what your favorite fighter could feel just as passionate about it. This is what your favorite fighter does. He goes in, he takes people down relentlessly, and he says that I'm trying to make them tired, and then I'm going to tap them out. So I don't see any difference. And his comments the other day, is like, oh, you need to watch more fights. That's almost like calling somebody a casual. Like, okay, like, you are a former lawyer. Like, you can have a better argument than that, but whatever. Um, and I just want to hear your thoughts on, on that. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, this is not, again, this was not the, Aldo. people have a bad taste in their mouth about the Aldo thing. And I don't think it's necessarily Marab's fault. He's just the guy that beat him. And it was not good. Like, it was not a good showing. It was not a good win. Marab gained nothing from that win. Nothing. And it was frustrating to watch. It was very frustrating to watch. Because I did agree with Jed in a lot of senses when it came to that fight. Marab won because he just held Jose Aldo against the fence. And that, like, you can call it weaponizing cardio. I just think he held him against the fence. Like, it was not a good performance. It was not good. This was different. This was different. And I think Marab knew that. I think Marab understood the assignment. This couldn't just be, I'm going to hold Piotr Jan against the fence for 25 minutes. He beat his ass. He beat Piotr Jan up. This is not the... If he did... If Marab did what he did to Piotr Jan to Jose Aldo, we're not having this conversation right now. People aren't looking at Marab with that kind of bitter taste in their mouths. And it was mostly because the nostalgia, the nostalgia in most fans wanted to see Jose Aldo get what he rightfully deserved, which was a freaking title shot. And instead, they feed him to Marab in Salt Lake City in altitude, and that's the fight we got. And I actually thought it was a really like I thought it was a good stylistic matchup for Aldo. It's just the fact that they did it in Salt Lake City and Aldo couldn't be at his best. It was just tough. And then Marab wins and it just wasn't a great win. People had questions. They left a sour taste in their mouths. And it's not necessarily his fault. It's just because he fought Aldo. Now, if he fought anybody else, I don't think it would have been the same backlash. But he he shut a lot of people up with that performance. Like I don't necessarily disagree with Jed when it comes to 
Like Habib would weaponize cardio to choke you out. Like he went in there with the the sense of like, I'm going in there to finish you. And I know Habib had a bunch of decisions along the way. And then down the stretch, he just was running over everybody and finishing everybody. And I, if you want to say that Habib had more of a killer instinct than Marab, I don't think you can argue that. I don't think you can argue that. But did I necessarily agree with everything Jed said on the post-fight show? No. I tried to reel him in a little bit. Um, but I think it's just because mostly he just, the respect he has for Jose Aldo, I think that bitter taste just kind of carried over a little bit to me. But yeah. And unfortunately that, that win does a lot for him in terms of like, I know some people still say he's boring or whatever, but who cares? But in terms of the people that matter, that win's going to be good, but I don't think it's going to get him where he probably deserves to go coming out of it. This division is just such a mess. The whole situation is a mess. The fact that Aljamain Sterling is fighting Henry Cejudo is just so silly. It's so silly. And I blame you, Aljo. It's your fault. It's your fault this is happening. We tried to tell you on this show how to handle all of this. And you didn't listen. And now you get to fight Cejudo instead of getting the bag against Sean O'Malley. If you just went for the bag right away, you'd be getting the bag right now. And now you're fighting Henry Cejudo. There you go. And now poor Marab has to wait like till two more defenses before he can get a title shot. It's crazy. Uh, Brent, take us home. You can hear me, right, Mike? Yes, sir. Yeah, I absolutely agree when it comes to uh, Al Joe not picking O'Malley. Just like, what a bag fumble if he loses to Henry. Uh, my question is about a term that you like to use, uh, go-home show. What does that mean exactly, and where did you first hear that term? Uh, thanks, Mike. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, I, I use go-home show a lot. Uh, it's a pro-wrestling term. It's a pro-wrestling term. So, let's just say WrestleMania is coming up on Sunday, and they have an, is- an edition of, of Monday Night Raw last night. It's the go-home show for WrestleMania. It's the last show on – it's the last Monday Night Raw before WrestleMania. It's the go-home show. Uh, we're on our way home. We're on our way to WrestleMania. So, I look at fight nights as – kind of like episodic television. The pay-per-views are what matter. That's where the bigger fights are for the most part. Now, sometimes you'll get a fight night that's not quite a pay-per-view quality, but damn good. And then sometimes you get the Apex cards. And I think this Las Vegas card was kind of like in between the two. But it's on like these shows, as you watch them, there's a lot of promotion for the upcoming pay-per-view. It's a lot of packages for the pay-per-view, the lineups. Here's what's happening on Saturday. Here's the promo for this. It's their last ch- It's not their last chance, but it is an opportunity for them to put on fights, but also sell the pay-per-view. So that's, that's why I use go home show uh, for that stuff. It's just, it's a pro wrestling term and that's why I use it. Uh, all right. We'll take, we'll take these last two real quick. Uh, Abs Walia, uh, what you got? Hey Mike, what's up? How you doing? Hello. Uh, Good. So I got a question regarding Peter Young. You know, where does he go next from here? Is it wise if he moves up to featherweight? 
you know, possibly have a few fights there or still try and hang it out and do his best to make a title shot again down the line. Because the, the way I see it, either he loses his confidence, you know, this is taking a hard loss from him and he probably goes down the hill at like a Kelvin Gaslam or he could maybe take some time or build some confidence and maybe in the future have a rematch with the guys he's lost to. What are your thoughts on this? Yeah, I, I'm not ready to give up on Piotr Jan just yet. This was, Marab showed up. And, I mean, that was the best, that was the best performance of Marab's career. And Jan didn't seem, I'm not trying to take anything away from Marab, but Jan didn't seem completely there. But maybe it's just because Marab put the boots to him so quickly that Jan just wasn't ready for it and it frustrated him. Um, but I'm not ready to give up on him yet. I'm not ready to give up on him yet. A lot of people still feel like you won the O'Malley fight. I think the knee, even O'Malley came on and said, like, I took something from him. I don't think that's true. I think the, uh, there's maybe like a smidget of truth to that. Maybe there's frustration from the judges not giving him that, that nod. And most people scored that fight for Piotr Jan. Uh, a lot of people threw out the R word. Uh, I did not. I did not think it was a robbery. After going back and watching, I was stunned watching it live. Go back to the watch party. I was stunned that Jan didn't get that decision. But when you go back and watch it again, you can make a case. I mean, you can make a case that O'Malley won. Not a great one, but wasn't a robbery. I've seen far more egregious decisions than that. Uh, but I think that probably had something to do with it. I'm sure Jan, at the position he was in, was like, damn it, I got to fight this dude, um, which isn't fun for anybody. So I'm not ready to give up on him yet. I would not give him a pacey type of wrestler next. I'm not chucking him in there with Umar and Amagamadov next, but I think there is a fight coming up April 8th that I think is perfect. You either, it's either Rob Fodd or Adrian Yanez. Whoever wins that fight, perfect. Get in there, have a scrap, box your faces off. That's going to be fun as hell. I think that one makes perfect sense. We don't need to give him too big of a step back. But yeah, I think the font Yana is winner or even the loser. One of those two guys I think is perfect. And we go that route. I don't think he needs to go up to 45. I saw some people saying he should go to 125. I don't want to see that. I feel like he's way too big for 125. I think he's fine. This game is full of swings. And we've seen... Fighters far less talented than Piotr Jan get on the schneid and come back and come out of it a better a better fighter. And I'm not ready to, to just give up on him just yet. That was just a, a tremendous performance from Marab Duwalsh, really. And I think that version of Marab probably beats anybody in that division right now. So I just think Jan... Just drew the short straw and had a had to fight that dude. That ain't fun. Uh, Dan, Daniel Fitz, let's uh, let's go to you, and then we're gonna get out of here. What's up, man? Hey, Mike. Heck of a morning to you. Um, I know you know just to kind of voice off what you're kind of saying about Peter Yon. You know, the, the UFC is just tough to get wins. Just to use an example of like, let's just say someone like Gamrot. You know, Gamrot had a close fight with Armin, where I think some people thought maybe Armin won. He then goes on to lose against Benil, and then he just goes to a split decision against Jalen, which there's maybe an alternate universe where, you know, Gamrot loses the Armin fight and he loses the Jalen fight. Now he's on a three-fight losing streak. Like, it's just 
it's just hard to win fights in the UFC. So I completely agree with you about Peter Yan. You know, it's it, this feels like his first big real loss. So um, I, I'm not putting too much against him on it, especially for one of the best cardio performances we've ever seen from Marab. Um, but all I got for question, Mike, um, I talked to you about it last week just before the card, just asking, hey, what do you think the implications of Krylov versus Span is? Made pretty good points just saying, hey, you know, Span probably could rock it a little bit more with a knockout. But now that Krylov's won, um, I guess I'm more just going to put you on the spot. Like, who do you think is the next title challenger? Where do you think this belt is at the end of the year? Like, do you think they're just going to wait and see if Yuri comes back? Um, do you think they're going to see what they can do with the winner of Anthony Smith and Walker? Um, just kind of curious wh- where you think uh, this next matchup for Jamal goes and, and, and if the belt leaves his hand soon. Thanks, Mike. This division is just a slop fest. I mean, just it's just all over the place. Yeah, I think. I mean, it's it's at this point, it's, you might as well just wait for Yuri. I mean, if Yuri isn't going to be able to fight till like December, then and, and if Jamal wants to get back in there, cool. But I don't, I don't want to see Jamal Hill fight Magomed Ankalaev. I don't want to see that fight. Not right now. For a couple of reasons. One, I think I live just beats him and it's not all that fun. And two, I just like Jamal Hill versus Yuri Prashka just it rules. Like that fight is just pure chaos. And I'm here for it. I don't think Ankalaev's pure chaos. I think Ankalaev just is who he is. He's a a good fighter who isn't all that exciting when he fights. But he might be the best light heavyweight in the world. I don't know. So I think they will just wait on Yuri to a certain extent because they don't – I mean, we've already – we had the light heavyweight title headline two pay-per-views in a row. So it's not like we're in a huge rush to get Hill back in there because we've already seen two 205-pound title fights in December and January. It's already March. So it's only been two months since Hill won the belt. So I think you wait for Yuri. And as long as the timeline is manageable, we just wait for that fight. If it can happen this year, we wait for that fight. If it can't happen this year, if there's a setback, Jamal Hill probably fights Ankoliath. Maybe he fights Jan Bohovich. I don't know. I know Anthony Smith's fighting Johnny Walker. Who knows? It's just, it's just weird. The, the probable answer is you're probably going to have to wait to see how that Smith-Walker fight goes and then see how it plays out. But you could do Anthony Smith versus John Bohovich. I just feel like Ankalaev's the guy in wait. If Yuri can't go, they'll probably give Ankalaev the title shot. But I don't really care about that fight all that much. I just feel like Ankalaev will win, and it won't be all that fun. But this, I mean, talk, all these divisions are a mess in certain ways, a lot of which because of immediate rematches or new champions and contenders emerging, but there is no division less messy than 205. I mean, 205 is a frigging disaster with Yuri out. It's crazy. And the Jan thing is just so insane. Like if Jan doesn't throw that illegal knee, he's probably still the champion right now, which is wild to think about. This fight with Marab probably doesn't even happen. 
so crazy. A one decision can just change everything. It's crazy. All right, we'll take MJ, and then I really have to go. I know I say this all the time, and I keep bringing other people in, but if we can get MJ in, we'll get to him. If not, I got to go. Wheel is spinning. Can we get him? Can we get him? No. How about Benny? Hey, I have a question. I don't know if you talked about it already, but if Cejudo wins against Aljo, would Murad get the next title shot? I just didn't know because he jumped O'Malley in the ranking. So I was just wondering. What's your thoughts on that? Uh, no, he won't. Sean O'Malley's the biggest star in the division. He's going to get the title fight. He's going to get the title fight. And Cejudo's not an idiot. Now, Cejudo's saying like, oh, Marab, you can be the backup. I understand. What he, like, we know what he's trying to do. He's trying to create a little drama, a little controversy. All that stuff. But Cejudo's not a moron. He retires worse than anybody in the history of sports, but he's not an idiot. A fight with Sean O'Malley favors him greatly, and it's the biggest fight for him in this division. So why would Cejudo fight Marab when he can fight, which is a tougher fight for less money, when he can fight Sean O'Malley in a main event spot and make more money? And it's a much favorable matchup for him. So, yeah, I think Cejudo, will, if he wins, he'll fight, he'll fight O'Malley. And then I don't – I'll even say this. I don't think Henry Cejudo fights Marab ever. I don't think he ever fights Marab. If Cejudo wins the belt, he'll fight Sean O'Malley. If he beats Sean O'Malley, which I would favor him to do, he's out of here. Like he's not – he's done at 135. He's going to say, I ain't defending anything in, until I fight Volkanovski so he can get that, that third belt. That's what I think is going to happen. And guess what? In the prize fighting world, that's what he should do. And it's going to, I'm telling you folks, this is what's going to happen. Beats Aljo. Let's go Sugar Sean. Beats O'Malley. I'm going up. Volkanovski, where you at? And if he doesn't fight Volk, he ain't fighting anybody. Just be prepared for it. And then who knows? Maybe Marab gets an interim title fight or he vacates to go to 45 and then Marab can fight. I think the best case scenario for Marab DeWellis really right now is that Aljo beats Cejudo and he just forfeits the O'Malley fight and just says, nope, I'm moving up now. Then maybe you do Marab and also Corey Sandhagen needs to beat Marlon Vera. That's the best case scenario for Marab. That's the best case scenario. Aljo beats Cejudo, vacates, moves up to 45. Cejudo ain't fighting for the belt again because he lost. Sanhagen wins against Cheeto. You could do Marab. Maybe O'Malley will take the Marab fight for the vacant title. But if Cheeto wins, if all that happens and Cheeto beats Corey Sanhagen, they're going to do Cheeto versus Sean O'Malley for the vacant title because that's a gigantic fight gigantic fight. It's a fight everybody wants anyways. But now you strap a vacant title on the line? Holy shit. That's a massive fight. So Marab's just in a really weird spot right now. And I don't think Zahudo takes that fight. I think he goes for the bag, as he should, as Aljo should have done. 
Alger should have went for the bag. He should be fighting Sean O'Malley at UFC 288, not Henry Cejudo. But now he's going to fight Cejudo. And we'll see how that goes. All right, we're done. Thank you very much. We'll be back on Thursday. We'll do it again. Thursday, of course, one of the busiest days for us. We got this show. We got BTL. And then Friday, we'll be back again. We'll have weigh-ins. We'll have preview show. And then it's off to New York on Saturday for the watch party. And UFC 286, early start time, 1 p.m. Eastern for the prelims, 5 p.m. Eastern for the main card. Music to my freaking ears. Love when that happens. And love doing the show with all of you. So we'll see you on Thursday, 10 a.m. Eastern. Have a great rest of the day. And as always, have a heck of a morning, everybody. Vox Media Podcast Network. Hi, we're Visible. We're the wireless company with nothing to hide. Seriously. Hidden fees? We don't have them. Annual contracts? Not our thing. Great wireless on just one line? Now that's more like it. Get unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month. Taxes and fees included. That's right. $25 a month? Every month. Sorry, hidden fees. We're just not that into you. Sometimes the choice is just Visible. Switch today at Visible.com. Rate with service on the Visible plan. For additional terms and network management practices, see Visible.com.